Welcome to the Your Life Unchained podcast, helping you break the chains keeping you from reaching your true potential in business and life. Here's your host, Rick Scheninger. Fear, overwhelm, procrastination, disorganization, or just general chaos. We all have challenges we have to overcome in order to live life on our terms, to turn our ordinary into extraordinary. Your Life Unchained will deliver simple steps, tips, and strategies you can implement immediately into your daily routine to help you take control of your life and turn your dreams into reality. Hello and welcome to the Your Life Unchained podcast. I am Rick Schenninger, your host. So happy to have you here with us and also happy to have with us our wonderful guest today, Victoria Hardy. Welcome, Victoria. How are you? I am great. How are you? Ooh, great, thanks. So happy to have you. So excited to hear your story today. So as you all know, this is the Your Life Unchained podcast where we talk about all the different ways that we overcome the challenges, both inside and outside of our own heads. We all struggle with something each and every day. And Victoria is here to share what she's overcome. So, Victoria, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, thanks, Rick. I'm so grateful to be here. So, yeah, I'm Victoria, and I am based in the UK over here. I'd love to say sunny UK right now, but it's not. It's pouring with rain. But, uh, yeah, and I'm a empathy specialist. I work in transformation for a large corporate company, but I'm a massive, massive advocate around bringing ourselves to everything that we do. I talk a lot about that on social media making real life stories easy to resonate with all the generations and disruptively making as enough as much noise as I can around creating change for the next generation so yeah that's me and I see you're quite active on Instagram these days putting all sorts of cool content out there (laughs) yeah yeah I like to have a bit of fun with it I love to play about with the reels and write mini blogs and um yeah just share what's on my heart share you know stuff that just makes us beautifully human and uh you know I have two kids you know what it's like to be living that world sometimes and um yeah just day-to-day stuff really just showing up as me awesome love that love that so Obviously, you've, you've overcome a lot of different challenges in your life. You were mm-hmm. telling me that just over the last 18 months or so, you, you had kind of a turning point. So maybe you can yeah. get a, of kind of what led up to that, a little bit of a summary of some of the other challenges you've overcome that led you to that turning point. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. And it's really interesting. You mentioned social media because I've just celebrated my first year on Instagram, which was really born out of my own healing journey from my own mental health illness and which has been up and down over the course of my life it didn't just happen 18 months ago but I think 18 months ago I really hit the bottom of maybe where I I could be and I know a lot of people don't like to sit in kind of like the suffering or the woe me or say I suffered with anxiety or that I um, was in a dark place but you know that's where I was I really hit hit a brick wall at a time that was uh, kind of just pre-pandemic it was the November of 2019 now we kind of forget that 2020 happened (laughs) we forget it was that long ago but it was just really an end of a means of what had happened in my life so 
there's lots of like in anybody's life we all go through stuff so I had been through endometriosis for many many years I've had 19 operations I'd gone through becoming a parent quite young almost being forced into that position because of my health not that I would ever take that back of course you know I love my children very blessed to have them but mentally taking on that and premature labor I had lost uh, three people close to me through suicide and that was incredibly difficult to go through and PTSD and my own yeah I think mental health is something a mental illness is something that can come in and out of our lives that's what makes us human it's how we're reacting at the time to what is going on in our environment and there was lots of things that had happened that I could kind of go into depth into more but what I wanted to talk about was that you know, that came to a head. It came to a head in 2019 when, you know, one day it, this just, it, you know, life just didn't make any sense to me anymore. I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I didn't feel like I was being a good mum. I didn't feel like I was being good at my job anymore, that I was being a good wife, that the mistakes that I'd made in my life had caught up with me. And I started to let the inner thoughts really take over. And forget what was fact and let, you know, how I believed I saw the world take over me and what was happening. But, you know, not going into kind of that whole story too much. What really drove me that day when I didn't think I was going to make it through was my kids being in the car with me. One of them uh, started to sing like he does. And just caught my attention for a moment to just think, oh my goodness, this is, this is not how it's meant to be. And I dropped them off and I came home and I made a phone call. And I, in that decision, I just knew that I needed to talk. I needed to just express, you know, just start somewhere. I didn't know where it was going. I just needed to start to talk. And I was on the phone for two and a half hours (laughs) and I was in therapy within the next 48 hours. And I just let it all out. And those years that had gone before, I really started to show up in those moments. And they really started, I, I started to really understand myself more. I'd always been really interested in self-development. I'd always been really resilient, so physically resilient with the condition that I'd had. Physically resilient to put myself through difficult things. I'd had a hysterectomy three years before. My hormones were all over the place, which was definitely contributing, which is why I'm so passionate about talking about um, hormone hormonal health in, in women. And there was lots going on, but I just knew that I needed to be resilient, just almost to continue because there was something that I was being shown. There was something that I was being shown that why I needed to go through the things that I'd needed to do and how I was going to help to make them better for other people. And that was ultimately what kind of drove me really in the self-development was everything around really getting under the skin of what had happened to me and why it was being shown to me and how I could continue to then make that easier for the next generation, for people you know, that come after and those around me to help them through things as well. And that was kind of the driver. Wow. So that really kind of shines a light on, you know, a lot of people say, you know, do what you're passionate about. But Mm. if you followed that, all the craziness you were going through, it wasn't really passion driving that, but it was definitely purpose driving that. Yeah. And so ironic that you get to a point 
where you feel like you have no purpose because I felt completely lost. And that could have been because of hormones at the time, being imbalanced, that definitely happens. I was in surgical menopause, as I mentioned. But it could also just be that there's just, it had got to a point there was just so much had built up, I had to deal with it. It was like, you need to deal with this to understand what your real purpose is. Because I was just on the nations, like we all are. Let's just get on, move on, adapt, overcome. Let's just go with it. And then suddenly I was without pain because that had been dealt with. So I, you know, suddenly I was probably not sitting in the job that I needed to be in. Um, my kids were getting older. They didn't need me so much. You know, there was a lot going on. And suddenly it was like, well, what is my purpose? But it's really, you know, as you said, when you're to the bare bone, you can build and you understand who you are. And I have learned in the last 18 months, really, again, doing some inner work with myself, what my real strengths are, understanding what do people come to me for, you know? And I do have a way, that's why I'm an empathy specialist, of making stuff easy for people to understand and just taking the stuff that's human and saying, you know, that's my purpose is to storytell some of this, is to just have those disruptive and difficult conversations that other people won't have, that we need our next generation to have, so that they can really home in and have some emotional intelligence and come out of, you know, schools, colleges, unis, into life with their own emotional intelligence and really understand themselves so that they don't get to 20 years down the line and then it hits them like it hit me, you know? Right. And it sounds like you help others have those difficult conversations too, not only drawing it out of them, but maybe helping them have difficult conversations with those that are close to them in their life. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. And it's probably not on a formal level, you know, formal capacity. I'm not a therapist. I don't label myself a coach or anything like that, but definitely in and outside of work. I think when you show people the way of just showing up as you and and just being bold enough to take that step to share something that's real about yourself, it opens the door for them. And they say, okay, it's okay for me to do that too. It's okay for me to step there. So therefore they can either then either go and speak to somebody or maybe it's just talking it out with me or a friend or another colleague or a family member but they feel a little bit more confident and you know sometimes some of us that are more happy to talk about stuff need to keep doing it because that definitely paves the way for other people to do it and it's like when I returned back to work I didn't kind of go back quietly into the organization I had six months off work by the way after that day I didn't go quietly back in I went back I sent an email out to everyone telling them exactly what had happened why I was off and I just I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna not talk about it It, it's gonna be there whether I'm that annoying person or not I'm sure I am to some people but it's really important that we do that and actually you know we talk about ripples right sometimes the ripples that that created was phenomenal the people that reached out to me it was amazing I've been feeling like this. Well, I'm so glad that you shared that because now I feel confident to do the same. And, um, you know, that's that's a magical thing and, and that's what we need to keep creating. So just real quick, because you, you said you're an empathy specialist. So just talk because some people, I think, still confuse empathy and sympathy. Mm. Talk on that for just a minute. Yeah, sure. So sympathy is something, you know, that we, and empathy and sympathy we don't all have. You know, we don't, we're not born empathetic and there's this big debate of can you teach empathy? 
and so on. And, you know, the jury's still out, but we can certainly become more empathetic and we become, we can become aware a lot more. So sympathy is, you know, when we are looking at a situation or a person and we are, you know, we are almost feeling sorry for that person or we are, you know, understanding they've gone through something, but we're, you know, we're kind of almost feeling sorry for that person rather than putting ourselves right with them. So it's almost looking at the situation and we can act on that, but it's acting from a different space. When you're empathetic to somebody, you'll really have the ability to be able to put yourselves with them in that situation. And it's about feeling what they're feeling. So, you know, and whether that's good or bad, um, you know, it's about putting yourself there and really understanding maybe what they're going through. And that can be asking questions to them. It could be in the language that we use. It can be in, you know, how the actions that we take from it as well. So, you know, we're more likely to act on empathy than we are on sympathy. Right. Yeah, that's the difference. I think the best analogy of the difference I've ever heard, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but it's picture somebody who, who walks by somebody who's stuck in a well. And they look down, sympathy is, oh, you're stuck in a well. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope you get out soon. Yes. <laughs> that's sympathy whereas empathy is oh no you're stuck in a well i i can't get you out but i'm going to stay here until this is sorted out so we get it yes you're with them <laughs> that's right yeah and i love that analogy it's a great one <laughs> and it's so true and we use it in everything you know um i think where empathy is one of my top strengths and it's having that ability to see things from the other person's point of view in ev- in everything that you do. I'm, you know, I don't I don't get it all the time. Obviously, you know, I'm just human, but in how people read stuff or you know how we communicate together, you know, sometimes we can layer things up in so much stuff. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but we can layer stuff <laughs> up um, really unnecessarily. You know, we see that a lot in the corporate world, you know, things get laid up because we have to feel like we're important and we have to add extra, you know, confusing words in and jargon and, you know, make ourselves feel like we're a certain way. And a great sort of example of that of that is when you buy a house, right? So if you buy a house and you have to go through the process of the paperwork and the solicitors and the finance, I mean, my goodness, that we pay these people a lot of money and they go through these rooms of paperwork and we're just like, I don't know what this means. And we're buying a house, it's a big purchase and we're buying it because we, you know, half of it's in Latin. Whereas actually being able to cut through that and make that messaging of actually what's happening in that process really clear and simple. You know, that's putting it into the shoes of the other person and being able to say, this is just how it is and kind of cut through the mess really and keep it really simple. It makes sense. You know, and it kind of goes back to perception, right? How you perceive other people's situation and whether or not you can relate in a way that you can put yourself in their shoes, which, you know, kind of brings me back to, you know, when you were having that struggle in November of 2019. Mm. <laughs> and yes, you're right. Like 2020, the whole year we spent saying, when will this year end? Now it's just erased it from our memory completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in t- 2019, you know, you had your own negative perception of yourself at that point. Yeah. So how did that translate, your own negative perception, how did that translate into the empathy that you now, you now so, is now such a strong part of your life? That's such a great question. And, you know, I'm very grateful for when I was in that place that I, well, one had that drive and that 
that something in me to, to take action. And whether that was from the past experience of thinking, I know how that feels like when somebody's not around. You know, I need to, you know, I'm, I can't, I can't do that. I also had a lot of help, obviously, with my family and, and friends and loved ones, which I'm eternally grateful for. But once I started to emerge back into the world, because, you know, it took me a long time. I, I hid away for a while and I took six months off. And it was, again, it gave me another lens. So I think we take our experiences and we have we build lenses around us right almost like a fly with all these eyes (laughs) and we all have different ones again that's what makes us all so amazing because we have the ability to have different your experiences are different to mine Rick so we can then share our experiences and our point of view and we can connect and resonate with different people in different ways so again it was another lens that could build on so that when I could see other people in that space I could recognize it more or when I could see something that wasn't quite right I could speak up more because that's really important too and use that because it's about speaking up too and and calling out when something isn't right or being bold because there's a part of being bold in saying you know I think you need to talk about this or you know and and, I'm actually going there with that conversation because we don't do that enough either because knowing that actually inside however that person that's going through something doesn't feel like they need it at the time you know, sometimes you can be that person to just unlock that moment in them. So, yeah, it definitely built another layer. And I think it brought me back to the core that that is who I am. And that's, that's what my purpose was and is. So it sounds like you were first led to a purpose and now it's become a passion versus the other yeah. one. Yeah, so yeah. I wanted to kind of highlight that real quick because, again, so many people talk about find your passion, find your passion, find your passion, and then, you know, make it a business or whatever. And it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, I agree. And I think you can got to come from the core, you know, the roots. So we can have lots of different things and there's, you know, we can all have lots of different careers. Uh, you know, we're lots of different people at different times, aren't we? We can show up as ourselves always. We talk about showing up at work, showing up at home, you know, in parenthood or wherever you are. You're still the same person. You just put different, you know, hats on, so to speak. But it's what's underneath and the foundation that's underneath, what's your core and your roots. And that's your purpose and your, you know, the the passion is what's on the top and how it shows out, you know, and how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. So two different points in time that I want to circle back to. So first, I want to quickly circle back to that day. You dropped your, your kids off and then you came back and you made a phone call. Mm. how did you get through that day i asked this just to give you some context from the standpoint of you know we all talk about these things and we all kind of gloss over a moment in time i suspect that day is a lot more important than just glossing over and saying yeah. two hour two and a half hour phone call and then mm. I took six months off. Like, there's more to it than that and not that yeah. you go into every single detail but i just want to highlight again the significance of that mm what it took to get through that day yeah and you know that car journey for me it was such a pivotal point because I wasn't a person that wrote out notes or had planned this this has never entered I think we all have moments where we say we don't want to be here anymore or for goodness sake like honestly just let this be because I've had enough but it never had got to that point it was a real moment 
where I just, and I talk about it like I just didn't want to press the brakes and the sun was in my eyes, you know, the kids were in the car. And, you know, that's a scary place to be in yourself, but also as a mum with your kids, you know, if I had taken action on that. But yeah, driving home, I remember I was just so numb at that time. Talk about it like I couldn't hear the music. There was like, couldn't see the beautiful things in you know sunsets I live by the sea it's my favorite place right the beach is my happy place I couldn't smell the salt in the air anymore it was like I was totally numb and I remember just being feeling so numb but just thinking I just need to get home I just need to get home and then once I was home I walked in through the door my dog came to greet me I always talk about him with my little lifesaver considering I wasn't a dog person but he's sat right next to me now and you know they have a way of looking and I just and he it was like he knew something and didn't leave my side and I just came home I picked up the phone I'm really really blessed to have the company that I work for we have healthcare and we have a, a employee service so it wasn't like the Samaritans or anyone else that I rang but I actually rang and used my family member as an excuse it was like I was not ready to go it was like I needed something to like make the call does that make sense so it wasn't like I was just going to ring up and go oh well I just nearly did this like and that could have it was like I needed to to build that excuse in so I actually made and of course I knew that they were going to ask me the question about how I was and that's all I needed I just needed somebody to say and how are you coping with that and that's the question I, I needed to hear so I could really answer it and I remember standing at my kitchen side and I stood there the whole time on the phone call just like I didn't even move and I got through and I I mean there was just so much that came out and they just talked me through every step which was obviously really you know they're trained to do and I had to just really sit in that for the rest of the day I had to sit I was alone I was um you know my husband was at work the kids were still at school I wasn't picking them up that day. I think my parents, it would have been their day to pick up. And I think I texted my mum and just said, I need you to just hold the kids for me for a while. I'm not feeling well. And I just had to really sit within that moment and I guess just break, just process and sit and go, right. But I think after I'd done that, there was such a weight lifted. It was like a physical wait I knew there was a long road ahead and I knew there was lots of work that I had to done but I was so ready to do it I was like we're ready and I knew it would be hard and raw and you know there was a lot lot to come but there was definitely a weight lifted and then I remember taking my dog out for a walk and just walking for hours and then my husband came home we talked and then as I said within the next uh, day and I just had the mantra each day pigeon steps each day pigeon steps small goals because I'm a real let's do this and this and I have a creative brain right so you're automatically thinking 20 years in advance and I had to really wire my brain back to just each day the rest is a bit of a fog you know as you just pointed out it really comes down to that first step and there's Mm -hmm. so many people who have a hard time making that first step and even you struggled with making the first step in fact you used another family member as the reason to have somebody help you make that first step and I really just I wanted again point that out because Mm -hmm. I think it's important because there's a lot of people that I'm sure are in that position that you know I'm stuck I don't know what to do next I need to take the next step 
and I don't know how, or I'm scared. And yeah. it's okay to be scared, and it's okay to not know how to do it. And again, kind of like you know, you said, don't think for 40 years in advance. Think, <laughs> what's the very next step? As simple as that, yeah. yeah. And maybe the very next step is figuring out how to take the first step. Like that could yeah. be the first step. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I always talk a lot. Um, you know, I was asked the other day about you know what my three tips with mental health or keeping uh, yourself right. And, you know, that is one of them is just to to make that decision to just speak, to just talk, you know, that first, you know, and it doesn't matter really who it is to, whether it's to a helpline or to a family member or a friend or to a stranger, because that often it's the release of getting that off of your chest, that it's there, it's out there. Right. And then it's like, and then you can assess where you are. Is it something that you need to deal with or was it that you just needed to just get it out? You know, how deep does it run? But making that first conscious decision and just taking step by step, you know, not thinking too big, right. you know, that's way. And I still have to do that now. You know, we're 18 months on. I had two weeks ago, I had two panic attacks. They hit me. Oh, wow. You know, I, di I didn't expect them. It had been a long time. It was a bit of a stressful week. And, um, you know, they, they creeped up on me and, and then they were, but I, I had gathered enough tools in my toolbox <laughs> to really be able to handle and focus. And of course it was kind of like, you feel like you're stepping backwards a little bit, but equally, you know what to do. We know what to do. We know that we just, if we can just say, I just need to make that one step and that's all we need to do in that moment. And, uh, we can pull on the tools and, you know, there's always light. There's always there's always somebody that's going to help. There's always somebody, and, and you know, uh, nothing is unfixable. And again, I mean, you say, you mentioned here that having a couple panic attacks felt like stepping back, but having the tools to kind of work through it at the time, mm -hmm. light years ahead of where you were, Absolutely. Had that happened 18 months ago, that would have been a, a major spiral at that point. But mm -hmm. going forward, you won't have, you won't be better equipped to maybe anticipate the onset of that but it doesn't but it's all part of the process it's all part of the, those what do you call them pigeon steps <laughs> yeah pigeon steps <laughs> so yeah and, that, and that's so true so you have the you know on one side you have the the tools or the you know when you're in that moment and then I think when you become more self-aware and you go through this stuff you become reflective so you look back. So it's really important as part of the process. And if anyone's listening who's in that process, I journaled. I started to journal about four months into my healing process where I started to follow the bullet journal, journal method. I mean, you can just write on anything, right? But that, that worked for me. And so that made me much more reflective on reading back over the months and realizing how far I'd come because that's important too. So that when I did go through those panic attacks, yes, it wasn't great, but I was sitting in the, I was in the weirdest way, I was sitting in them comfortably because I knew that I was going to be okay. And I knew that I was working through the tools. And then of course, when I, you know, the day after reflected back and, and thinking, okay, we got through that and it wasn't as bad as we had before. And, you know, yeah, it's always good to, to reflect and see where you come from. Right there. That's super important. You know, look back. And I, I always say, look back to learn, look ahead to lead, and look in the moment to live. Yes. 
<laughs> I love that. That's great. But I think it's so important. There's too many people that try to live in the in the past. Or, mm-hmm. You know, they set these goals and they live with such anticipation of the goals that when they actually reach the goal, you know, let, let's say going on vacation is a great example. Like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go on vacation. Can't wait, and the anticipation so far exceeds the actual experience because yeah. you know, the vacation's there. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. Cool. Uh, now it's over. <laughs> yeah it's so true <laughs> yeah it's so true and and we all we all fall into that trap at times don't we and and whether that's just general and we're you know and our mental health is really great or whether that's we're really living in a moment of anxiety we know that anxiety is either in the past or in the future anxiety doesn't work in the present which is why mindfulness is so amazing and you have to bring yourself to the present when you're in the, the anxious state right. because anxiety cannot fester in the present um but yeah just day to day i think that it is so true and um you know our society is set up in a way that we're either always looking forward or we're looking back you know even with memories coming up on facebook that constantly remind us that our children are not little anymore or that great like you said that great holiday that we've had or you know the expectation of what we should be when we grow up or the expectation of um you know like you said that holiday or that christmas or that wedding or you know what's going to what my life will be like we forget about ourselves and how we're growing right there what we're living and 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 that's actually the bit that i'm most passionate about in in grabbing you know the youth and these amazing kids and and teenagers and young adults that are coming into this this world and and living through it right now is is grabbing them and helping them understand their emotional intelligence and understanding how they are in that moment and how that's gonna help them with their future right and you, you know you just brought up another good point and with google and facebook you know bringing up memories and that kind of also comes back to perception because we can look at that and say Ah, oh, our kids aren't aren't little anymore. Ah, oh, you know, and feel sadness or remorse, or we mm. can look at it and say, you know, hey, this is what I learned in that moment, or hey, yeah. look, captured that moment because there would that memory wouldn't be there without having captured it. So hey, I captured that moment. Oh, that was a great moment, and you can relive it just in that mm. you know, with that moment, re-experience it. And you don't have to look at it through the lens of remorse. Yeah, and that's part of the mindset, and and it's a challenge that we all face also. Yeah. A couple minutes left, but I want to, there's one other question that I wanted to ask, and it really came back to when you went back to work, talked about the ripples mm-hmm. and talked about how much outreach. And I'm just curious if there were any people that initially seemed resentful or seemed negative, their response seemed negative that then turned around. Because I guess my thought process there is, um, you know, there could very well have been people that were going through that same thing and feeling stuck. Mm. And they were resentful because you came out the other side and they were still mm. stuck. And I'm just wondering if you experienced that at all. There are people. I'm not sure if I experienced it in knowing that that's how they felt. And that may be because we weren't in an office environment. So I remember when I went back, it was mid-pandemic. Everybody was kind of, you know, I was returning to work and phasing whilst homeschooling and there's lots of stuff. So everything was done either virtually, email, as it still is for us right now. But I did have, 
I did have a shift, a change in actually how we respond when people are off work. So, for example, when I when I was off, I went on holiday when I was off. Um, I actually went to Rome. Um, it was the best thing that I could have done. I didn't want to go. It was just before the pandemic broke out, actually. COVID had just hit Rome. Um, and I didn't want to go. So I'd never been away without my kids before, let alone get on an airplane. It was the best thing I did. I totally love that city, recommend it to anyone. And it was a real place of healing. But there was definitely some judgment around, oh, hang on a minute, she's off sick. So why is she going here? Or why is she in the gym? Or why is she eating cake with friends or family when she should be at work? Because I was obviously signed off. And that was definitely a taboo. And actually, that really got to me at first, because I felt really guilty. It took me a long time to settle into that. And then I really thought, hang on a minute, if I was off with a broken leg, I would have to go to physio. I would have to go to the gym to train my leg. I'd have to build some strength. Nobody would say, oh, hang on a minute. She's off for four weeks because she can't drive to work. But she's that's okay. She can go and sit in the cafe and have some cake. Yeah, exactly. Because, right? So, we didn't, so, again, it was like, but hang on. If it's a mental issue, then we suddenly have a different viewpoint. And it's suddenly okay. a stigma. And it's like, yeah, perception. So it's definitely like that. Hang on a minute. She's mentally ill. She can't, she can't go on holiday. She can't go away. I didn't realize what I was going through to get myself on that plane, the panic attacks that I had, everything else. Right. But actually that was such a, and my therapist was saying to me, you need to go, you need to go. But it was such an important part of my healing to do that because it took me away from the UK. It took me away from my family. It made, you know, I allowed me to talk to my mum for the first time, really tell, talk to her and tell her how I was feeling. Allowed me to be in this amazing place of history. And I talked about that a lot when I came back, and there was some apprehension. And I have seen that kind of mood slightly change now. So we're not quite there, you know, we're not there yet. I'm not going to pretend I've changed the world. But again, those small ripples of just challenging those conversations and saying, isn't it great that I saw, you know, so and so on Facebook and they're taking some time out to be with their friends when they felt really mentally poorly? You know, that's really great that they're going out and having those conversations and people saying, oh, yeah, right, I get it. So probably more in that sense than what you were first mentioning. But, you know, I hope that kind of helps. But that's probably what I felt more um, and maybe not the other, but maybe just because it was more of a virtual scenario. No, that makes sense. Well, surprisingly, we've reached the end of our time. <laughs> <laughs> but thoroughly enjoyed all of the insights, all of the great shares that you shared with us. Thoroughly enjoyed this. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you or find you, how can they do that? Okay, so yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm known as Ginge Unhinged. So it's Ginge underscore Unhinged, uh, where you'll see my messy mind played out in uh, in just yeah, being me, but in a you know a way that resonates, like I talk talk about. So we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too as Victoria Hardy. Um, I don't really do Facebook too much, so um, yeah, that's the two platforms you can find me mostly. Awesome, and they'll be in the show notes as well. Well, Victoria, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been Your Life Unchained. And once again, have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening to the Your Life Unchained podcast. 
We'd love to help you break the chains that are keeping you from reaching your true potential in business and in life. So don't forget, like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you soon.